Good morning, good evening, and good afternoon to the Revcast audience. This is Max, and Rev is letting you steer the ship again today for another episode of our Zodiac Killer series. Today, we will be covering a suspect named Larry Kane. Before we get started, I just want to say I appreciated all the comments we got on our last episode. They helped make for a really good conversation in regards to Arthur Lee Allen, and I really liked hearing everybody's perspectives. Like our podcast to be an interactive form of information entertainment. So if you have a perspective you think would push this this discussion one way or another, we welcome it. Uh, we like to be collaborative with our dialogue with the audience and just we try to get to the bottom of any matter. Also, if you like the content we make, please subscribe to our channel, like this video, and uh, share it too if you think your friends will enjoy it. So before we get started, I'd like to introduce the man of the hour, the Joe Rogan of the satanic realm. Your cure for COVID boredom, right? Why, hello. Hail Satan. Um, <laughs> <laughs> At least no, you say hail something else. But oh, go oh, on. Well, hail death, <laughs> wish coffee. Not paid promotion. Oh, okay. So, good endorsement. Yeah. Not yet. So, yeah, we're going to talk about Larry Kane. Do you have anything you want to say before we get started? Uh, yeah, I do. Uh, to the listeners, they're actually on this podcast, I would like to say that I do have an email that if anybody would like to reach out to submit a story based upon supernatural, paranormal, survival, anything of that nature, you can actually submit um, a written story, a audio content. You could re- use a surname or remain anonymous, but it's at podcastrev1 at gmail.com. All right. Uh, I'm ready to get started if you're ready to get started. Let's go. So Larry Kane is someone who shares a lot of similarities to Arthur Lee Allen as a suspect. We talked about Arthur Lee Allen last time. The most compelling of all is that there's a lot of strange circumstantial evidence pointing to him being the Zodiac. That's why I want to talk about him some more. I'm not convinced fully that Kane is the Zodiac myself, but I think I'd be a lot less surprised if he's the killer than Allen. Just like our last podcast, I like to talk about all the pros and cons of the various arguments about Kane and see where the conversation takes us. As a disclaimer, there will be a lot of arguments that are for and against Kane that I just couldn't fit in because of the restriction of time that comes with any podcast. So I just tried to in- include the most compelling ones. You want to do a deeper dive into all the material I looked at? Just look at the links in the description below. With that being said, let's dive into his biography a little bit so we can get to know the man and understand him a bit better. For this section of the podcast, I'll be borrowing pretty heavily from the websites lawrencekane.wordpress.com and zodiaccypress.com. The WordPress site is particularly good as a resource because it provides a ton of primary documents that show Kane's entire life in newspaper, newspaper articles, and other forms of documentary information. I also think that Michael Butterfield's Zodiac Killer A to Z podcast touched on some of the Kane story too with this episode, Deconstructing Solutions. Interestingly enough, Rev sent me that episode while I was just about wrapped up with writing this one, and it proved to be a really good source of material. I high, highly recommend checking it out when you get the chance. I'll be referencing it quite a bit in this episode as well. So Larry Kane was born in 1924, originally as Lawrence Klein. He grew up in a working class Jewish neighborhood of Borough Park in Brooklyn. He was a high school dropout who had approximately two years of schooling. In 1941, he changed his last name to K, K-A-Y-E. So it would be quote, beneficial in my field of employment or beneficial for employment in my field. That's from the uh, WordPress website. It's important to remember that that was at a time period where Jewish people were even more heavily discriminated against than they are now. And down the road, he eventually changed it again, and it would be changed to Kane, spelled with the letter K. Kane was a pretty common 
name uh, at that time. There's a substitute for the Jewish last name of Cohen or Cohn, depending on the pronunciation back then. So it's possible that's where he got the idea to adopt that surname. I also want to say that as this episode goes on, we'll be talking a lot about Detective Harvey Hines. He was an officer in California Central Valley. He investigated the Zodiac case and speculated that the killer might have Jewish, her Jewish heritage, excuse me, based on his readings of one of the ciphers sent to the press. He started his own investigation of the Zodiac Killer in 1973, and I've linked to his report that's hosted on ZodiacKiller.com in the description below. The letter I referenced was the Sierra Card postcard that we will talk about later on in this episode. It piqued his interest into going down a path that eventually led him to Kane as a potential suspect. In any case, back to our main story. Kane had an incredibly long history of crime. One of his first criminal offenses was he was arrested for drunkenness and disorderly conduct. Proponents of Kane being the killer theory might seem to work under the idea, and I emphasize partially work under that idea. That he was predisposed to misbehavior and only escalated over time. He also had a career as a performer and worked in numerous hotels as a master of ceremonies, or MC for short. He worked for Beckman and Pranksy, and I quote the WordPress website saying it was a high-class entertainment management agency which supplied stage acts and theatrical productions to resort hotels in the Casco Mountains. He eventually joined the Navy and received training at the Radio Material School. He had to pass an aptitude test called the Eddy test. A direct quote I'll borrow from the same WordPress site is, studies indicate that those admitted to the electronics training program scored on average in the top two or 3% of the intelligence quotient in the nation. I think that some people might see this as a sign that he was highly intelligent, had an aptitude for math and science, and was be very likely behind the Zodiac ciphers. One thing that I'd like to remind everybody is the very first cipher ended up being very easy to break. Two amateurs, a husband and wife cracked it. Person might say in response to that, that maybe Kane wasn't trying that hard the first time around when he sent out the first cipher, you know, if he was Zodiac, of course. So there's some give and take between whether or not the person who sent those ciphers out was an expert in cryptography or not. Kane eventually was released from the Navy after just eight months of service. The Heinz report reads, Kane's condition at the time of discharge was caused by his strong attachment to his mother, his dependency on her and her dependency on him. Another excerpt from that report reads, separated from the United States Navy reserves in 1943 after a diagnosis of psychoneurosis hysteria was established. I think that some people might find the mental health condition to be a sign that he might've been an imbalanced person. And there's another way to look at it is that maybe he was just somebody who had a very bad relationship with his mother. I don't think that by itself necessarily means much. But one thing that we'll find in common with a lot of these suspects is we read about them and we talk about them in future episodes like Rick Marshall, or if we refer back to Arthur Lee Allen, is they all have disturbing backstories or disturbing behavior. And I don't think that that by itself is maybe an indicator just by itself, if I had to be clear. This probably shows why it was also hard to be a detective in the 60s, 70s, or 80s, in my opinion, especially compared to today when you have digital forensics and cameras filming just about anything. It does seem that it, a very peculiar and suspicious person in that time might be a good jumping off point for research. The point I'm getting to that is that if maybe a four or five strange men for every 1,000 people back then, you had to kind of work with what you had and see if they matched up to the clues or not. So I, I can see why people in that era might think he's the Zodiac. 
there, interestingly, there's a recording of him that was made in the military. We've linked to it below. It's from uh, Tom Voigt's channel, and it's also on his blog. It's kind of tongue-in-cheek. There's an eyebrow-raising part of the audio that goes something like this. And the tone is kind of joking and upbeat. Just as a disclaimer, I can't quite capture it myself. But Kane says this in the recording. The die was cast. The fates had played their little game. So as the setting sun sets beyond the Isle of Puckahacky-sacky-packy, whatever it is, island, and his Sagittarian love, who is by birth under the sign of the Zodiac, a hot-tempered and very non-understanding person, figures out ways to torture him for wrong. Not, or, not ordinary tortures, mind you, but fiendish, diabolical things, like waiting for nine hours online to hear four girls in the back of, the, of them blow out their undernourished and then it cuts out. He, all he hopes and prays for some night when she feels very lonely and a very understanding mood, she will, the audio cuts out, reason for that record, and will do humanity a favor and destroy it. And then it becomes unintelligible according to the excerpt that I've read of it. And some people have had some alarm bells set off. They said that he used the word Zodiac and that he talked about torture in a joking monologue. They might see this as proof that the two topics were on his mind and they emerged into inspiration for his crimes or something like that. This isn't something that really convinces me necessarily. I think that it was pretty common to talk about someone's Zodiac sign and make jokes about it and maybe talk about devious behavior and it in a joke and a monologue. It doesn't seem out of the ordinary for me, especially for that era. And with that being said, the WordPress site also shows his behavior started to become more dangerous on August 6, 1945. He crashed his car into a guardrail when he was about 23 years of age. Four people were injured in the vehicle, almost went over the cliff, a cliff, excuse me. Another article from 1946 shows that he ran a contracting business the North Jersey Construction Company. It looks like the Office of Price Administration's student employee of his Eleanor E. Source. Some people might derive from it that the company isn't on the up and up. And some people might say, well, even if he wasn't behind that investigation or the catalyst for it, that kind of behavior will always permeate from the top down in an organization like that. On October 22nd, 1946, Kane and a group of his friends get into a fist fight with two pedestrians who yelled out, why won't you be more careful when they were almost run off the road by a car occupied by Kane. That incident eventually got Kane and his two friends sued for over $40,000, $1946, mind you. The three of them were arrested, which shouldn't come to anybody's shock either. In December of 1946, it looks like Kane's company was in trouble again. They performed repairs on a home without a permit and were fined $500 and $30 for court costs in absentia. In September 22nd, 1947, there's another article that references that references that date, or an article that references that date, excuse me. It shows he was arrested on charges of conspiracy and fraud, but those charges were eventually not pursued to completion. He was defrauding homeowners and was getting people to put sidings on their homes, basically a scheme. If people put the sidings on their home, he also made it seem that if they were kind of a little bit of an advertisement for other sales in the neighborhood, they would get a commission and that would help them pay off their debt to Kane's company. I'm going to read a direct quote from the WordPress site to better explain this scheme. The victim signed what they believed to be an application for bank credit, and actually what they signed was a note and certificate of completion. These notes and completion certificates were then handed over to the General Roofing and Supply Corporation, a home installation company. The bank would then notify the makers that they expected a payment amount on an account, but would not say the dis who discounted the note. 
and therefore the victim had no way of knowing who to complain to in order to register a complaint. According to the report made by the prosecutor in that jurisdiction, the above all came about through some very smart people taking advantage of the Federal Housing Act. And it was his opinion that the prosecutor's office, that if the prosecutor's office had the time and facilities to pursue an investigation to completion, indictment would have been returned, which might have resulted in the conviction of some of the above mentioned violators. However, subsequent investigation by the prosecutor's office indicated that is drawn. The indictment could not be moved forward successfully. And it was his recommendation that the indictment be null process. The prosecutor felt that the offense was of such an involved character that it resulted in the grand jury and the draftsman for the indictment both being confused. He further felt that it would probably take one person many months to understand and draw the proper kind of an indictment and present the matter properly to a trial jury. So the concern appears to be that there was not a lack of evidence, but a jury of Cain's peers just wouldn't be able to understand it. Cain's involvement in other crimes such as grand larceny, burglarizing a dollar value of over $17,000 in gems in 1950s dollars were other acts that he committed. That latter crime was interesting enough because he had an accomplice. This accomplice is just some guy he ran into in a bar and he talked him into it. At this point, I think there are a few things that I think could blame him possibly being the Zodiac. It looks like he might be able to talk a total stranger into committing a crime with a pretty high dollar value assigned to it. He's very good at understanding how human beings work and how to manipulate them based on his scams. And he would have had to be highly intelligent with some code training in his background in the military on top of that. So I think that if people would look into it a certain way, if they thought that Zodiac had an accomplice, a guy who was a career con artist who was imbalanced, and we'll get more into that later, would be a good suspect. What are you thinking at this point, Rob? That's that's a lot to take in, to be honest. Um, what I think about the whole thing is that having eight months in the military, in the Navy, I don't think that that would have been a long enough established, I guess you could say, field of work that he was in um, to learn anything like cryptography or whatever. Um, it's just kind of weird. And the overbearing mother, I mean, I got a lot of Norman Bates vibes. <laughs> But yeah, just kind of oh, going in, I mean, just kind of going with like Arthur, yeah, Arthur Lee Allen and and this character. You know, they seem to have a very similar background in the military and everything like that. I mean, you're talking about Larry Kane, who's more of a, a petty theft, a petty thief, con artist, con man, who's about making a buck. And then you have another person like Arthur Lee Allen, who is more of kind of like a sexual deviant or pervert. So, Larry Kane, with his behavior, to me, I I don't think it adds up, personally, just from what you've been telling me so far. Yeah, and and that's what the big common thread is. There's all these circumstantial things that kind of make him look like he might be the Zodiac, and there's some more evidentiary-based things that we'll talk about a bit later. My thought process, and I'll say it again probably later on in this episode, is that I wouldn't be shocked if he was the Zodiac. I think there's a better argument for him being the Zodiac. But I'm not 100% sold that he's him. I feel that one could make a better sales pitch to me that Larry Kane was rather than Arthur Lee Allen. And I'll just move forward at that point, if that's okay with you. Would you like me to keep uh, describing you know, the story of Kane, or do you have a couple of thoughts? Oh, go right ahead. Okay. So... By the look of things, he was arrested again in the 1950s. He held up a woman at, gunfall, at gunpoint, excuse me, 
when she caught him prowling. I think it's important because it shows him taking maybe even bigger risks if you do think he's the Zodiac. He's threatening people with firearms by this point, and that was a pretty big risk back then. We were much more a death penalty enthusiastic society, I'd say, back then in that era. And he was arrested again in 1961 and was fined over $105. This was in California. It looked like he was arrested for being a peeping Tom. If you don't know what that is, watch Back to the Future. You'll, you'll figure it out. Uh, I'm not sure uh, if he was planning another burglary during this incident or if he was in the process of a voyeuristic sex crime. Either way, it doesn't look good for him. I think it does show that one thing that might be consistent with what one of the experts in criminal behavior said in the t in a documentary that came packaged with the 2007 Zodiac movie, the crimes were pulled off by somebody who was a planner. I think that Kane makes a stronger suspect than Alan because, as was pointed out, Alan was a sadist, not really a planner like Kane. That's one of the reasons I think there's a stronger argument. What do you think about that point? Would you agree with me that you know even if you don't think Kane was zodiac there's probably a stronger case at least i would have to say maybe a stronger case but alan was also a pervert and a peeping tom so that's where i'm kind of conflicted about that i mean if kane was yeah. held up somebody at gunpoint that would indicate that he's more of a, a burglar <laughs> but yeah I, don't know. I mean i'm not a criminal psychologist and i don't understand you know a lot of the, the psychology behind criminals but at the same time it's just to me something doesn't click because i know that with serial killer behaviors they have certain patterns or certain indicators or triggers that can show them a consistent pattern of behavior so yeah i, mean, I think you make a very good point it's just something doesn't quite add up there's a lot of things that make it look like it adds up but there's always that overarching thing where all of his crimes are really not of a violent nature they're bad crimes and holding somebody up is at gunpoint is violent and i guess you, you, maybe i'm contradicting myself getting into a fist fight is violent but it doesn't seem like getting into a fist fight because somebody yelled at you is the same as being a serial killer somebody who is killing animals since the time they could walk or anything like that so i yeah, think well, that there's yeah go ahead when it but when it does come to certain patterns of behavior also I mean, you would have to understand that there's some overwhelming influence in their childhood that causes them to be like that. I mean, if you look at people like John Wayne Gacy, um, let's see, who's another one? Ed Gein, Ted Bundy. <laughs> That's what was, yeah. What was the over, what would you say would be the overwhelming stuff in their cases if you just had to summarize? I would probably just have to say overbearing parents is one of them. Uh, very strict yeah. parents, very abusive parents would be yeah. another indicator, something like that, that could cause them to, I, I guess you could say, have a split personality or, or duality. So, I mean, who knows? Maybe Larry Kane has this, but it seems like that he was more of a thrill. He was chasing the thrill of just causing crime, getting, you know, money. That's yeah, and that's, <clears throat> yeah, exactly. It looks like. A lot of his crimes had that financial incentive to them. They didn't exactly come from a place of violence, at least as far as I can tell. Well, and it didn't One seem second. sexually motivated either. <clears throat> well, there there are other things that we'll get into. Okay. Get into too. He did he did have some sexual crimes, and we'll get into that. Oh, okay. So there there is a bit of a divergence in his psyche, and maybe this will change your mind a little bit more. Maybe it won't. 
because this could i think this could go one way or another or whether or not you think he's the killer so in 1962 that's where things got really bad for kane from a mental health perspective he was the victim of a head-on collision with a cement truck he received surgery and according to the heinz report his prognosis for rehabilitation was regarded as poor in 1963, we see that he went to a department store wearing a large overcoat. Overcoat. He was entering the store and leaving it several times. Eventually, he was trailed by a security officer to another store where he stole more toys and put them under his coat. When he was arrested, he admitted guilt, and he said that he had enough money to pay for all the things he stole. That got him a $50 fine and a year of probation. And that wasn't the last time he was arrested for shoplifting. In 64, he was arrested for stealing a clock. He had a phony driver's license on him at the time. And it was also discovered that he had several uh, traffic tickets in Oakland. You know, that's a that, that's really a sign that there is a serial killer, though. They're they're really messing around in Oakland, uh, running up the uh, running up the bills. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then you see there, there, there's there's things about this guy that obviously do seem scary. But then you see incredibly wacky stuff like this where you're like, can you? I couldn't even see this guy making ramen noodles. So there are a few. <laughs> you can laugh at that. I mean, it's true. <laughs> think about it. That's fair. Yeah. So there are a few important things that I'll point out from the Heinz report. The Department of Motor, Motor Vehicles said that he was mentally disabled and refused to give him a license. Heinz goes on to say that he was able to get the, get obtain the licenses fraudulently anyway. So. Maybe he was still smart enough to pull a con, even if he was incredibly unstable. It, I think this might be a, in the positive column for people who think he was the killer because he st- clearly had a mental acumen about him still being able to fool people. But on the other hand, he does seem as if he was out to lunch uh, in a very, very big way, obviously. So he didn't stop his prowling activities either, in, in addition to crimes with a financial incentive. He was arrested again in 1965 for prowling again. He was caught outside an apartment window and he was found guilty and fined $160. He was arrested for credit card fraud in 1996 and was fined $50. And I don't know how hard it was to pull off credit card fraud in that day. So that may have not have been as difficult. Maybe you could have had a friend show him how to do it. It doesn't mean he's exactly a criminal genius. He just might've been one of the few people willing to try doing that in that time, in that day and age. And there's some physical evidence I'd like to talk about at this point that I think goes against Kane too, because I think that I've tried to present as many of the arguments that he might be the Zodiac killer. And let's get into some of the physical evidence. So his fingerprints were analyzed by the FBI. There's no proof in any document. Uh, and I'm getting this from ZodiacKillerFacts.com, this analysis, and, and Zodiac Ciphers too, I think. I can't remember, but there, everything is linked to in the description. So if I've misattributed something, Trust me, it's there. It's a 50-50 for that one. So they, they um, I'll, I'll give you both credit. You guys can uh, have a battle to the death to figure it out. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> the, the, they're, they're both very good sites. I have a lot of respect for those the people who run those sites. In regards to the handwriting letters, the Heinz Report made a few observations. Handwriting experts couldn't eliminate Kane as a suspect. Captain Roy Conway was told by a handwriting expert that Kane's handwriting, when compared to the Zodiac's, quote, looks good. Uh, three handwriting experts from Oregon and Idaho couldn't eliminate Kane as as a Zodiac suspect. And I do think that if Kane was the killer, you know, maybe he had a partner who alternated duties with him. But according to the FBI, none of the 38 fingerprints in the case matched up. 
that seems very very unlikely to me that you wouldn't have some one accent at a clue around it i know that kane could talk people into things but having guy put his fingerprints all over some pretty prolific crimes i'm not sure i would buy that what do you think rev i i can buy it either to be honest uh, i mean i i'm sorry i'm early in the game but a lot of this doesn't make sense yeah, that's the thing is I think that Harry Hines may have discovered somebody or Harvey Hines, excuse me, discovered somebody who it was very dangerous in his own right. And we'll get into that as it goes on. I think that he may have stumbled upon Kang being okay. a pretty violent. Well, here's oh, something that I'd like to here's something like that I'd like to point out. Um, yeah. You mentioned that he got into a car accident and he hit his head. Mm -hmm. Um it is interesting that you bring that up because I could see to where at that point, if he suffered some type of trauma to the brain, it might escalate him to get into more violent crimes. Um, John Wayne Gacy actually had an incident that happened when he was younger to where he got a head injury and he had seizures. So that could have caused something that might have triggered, you know, the part of his brain that kind of activated that, that reptile mentality so yeah and anyway. i think that yeah jeffrey dahmer's father claimed that his mother was on painkillers i remember and thought well she was pregnant with him and that might have affected his mental development so there's that and i think that we have a guy who obviously can still pull off cons but like you said his mental state was altered so we don't know if maybe you know some of his brain was working well enough to be a very dangerous violent type of criminal who was able to mess with the authorities and the press very easily. Or well, if he is, was just, yeah. The brain is a very fascinating organ, organism. So. Yeah, it, it is. And that that's why I'm saying is we just don't know. We don't know if maybe, maybe as he healed up, he became a completely different person and he was just erratic in different ways and some of his planning personality was kept. I remember there's a book about how strong habit is, and it told the story of a guy who had, who really had a traumatic injury and he wasn't able to make new memories. But once he got home from the hospital, every single day he did his daily routine. And the part of the brain that was responsible for habit was kind of helping him go on autopilot throughout his day, even though the rest of his facilities wouldn't be there to do that if he just had to improv it. So you never know if something like that might be at play with him. What do you think? It's a good possibility. I mean, we, we don't know. We're talking about a time period to where we didn't have CAT scans or MR, MREs or anything like that. Well, we did. I don't think we did. I don't know. I'm not going to make Yeah, we... <laughs> yeah, we... Uh, uh, so, yeah, there's, there's not... I, I think there there is a way to, to think he, he was a violent criminal. We'll get more into how he became more violent. And I think, well, I'd like to talk more about how I think Hines discovered somebody who was very dangerous by investigating the Zodiac case, but I don't think he discovered Zodiac. I think that Kane may have been somebody who was committing very violent crimes, maybe turned into a serial killer himself. And Zodiac maybe just being an avid newsreader picked up on the pattern of whatever was going on in Vegas 
and led people on the case of Kane. And I, and I almost think that happened with Arthur Lee Allen also. There were all those weird coincidences between Allen and the killer, and the same thing happened. The, ev the physical evidence never matched up at all. But there was mm -hmm. the very weird stuff like the exact misspellings and stuff. And we've talked about this off the air too, that maybe this was somebody who was very plugged into the crime scene or crime, you know, crime, the world of crime or something like that, and was able to send the police on a wild goose chase. So that that's something I'll talk about a little bit more. I, I do want to talk about what happened in 1968 next. Okay. Yeah, yeah. He was arrested again for being a peeping Tom. And there's a few interesting bullet points from Hines' report that I'll read, things that his neighbors said about him. He was an egotist, egotist who, according to people who knew him, such as John Miles, he was secretive and guarded in his dealings with other people. Neighbors do not know what he does, keeps window blinds down continuously. Criminal record shows several entries of prowling and peeping Tom with arrests in Redwood City four months before the... And I don't think that last one means anything at all. That just seems like that was business as usual for him. That Would you agree with me on that? Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like it's pretty much anything that somebody that commits financial crimes. Yeah, it... it there were probably other peeping Toms out there back then. I, that doesn't mean anything to me either. And I mean that respectfully. Um, well, I mean, there's another, they, they yeah. all seem to congregate to California so far. Oh, geez, yeah. I want to make sorry. a Gap and Newsome joke, but I know that, that was fine. I was <laughs> going to try to make a Gap and Newsome joke, but I, I can't think of anything. So, I'm not, oh, geez, that just sounds like I called him a peeping Tom. I did not say he was one. Okay, see, I shouldn't even try that one. So... <laughs> Okay, so there's another interesting passage from the report that reads, Kane cleaned up his act. He stayed clear of the police from 1968 to 1979. At that time, he was arrested for hooking up a telephone illegally. The question was, what caused him to change? It was inconsistent with his past. If he was the Zodiac killer, then he would not want to come to the attention of the police. So, in spite of all the problems Kane had with gratification that we talked about and just doing things that were absolutely ridiculous that drew attention to himself do you do you think it may be if he wanted to commit crimes like the zodiac crimes the survival instinct the basic instinct of the urge to survive could have been kind of a block uh doing ridiculous things that drew attention to himself do you think there's any credence to that at all i kind of do at the same time i know that when it comes to serial killers they don't necessarily go out of their way to draw attention to themselves so, I mean, having a pretty clean history from 1968 to 1979 um, it could be something to where he may have been doing it and just kind of wanted to not push the attention to himself. But you never know. I mean, that 10 years, he could have ended up going to prison. We don't know where he could have left town or disappeared for some period of time. You know, it's a lot of a lot of speculation at this point. Yeah, I, we'll, we'll get we'll get into that in a little bit. He it actually is pretty well documented do, documented where he is in that period, based on if you look at the WordPress site, they have everything. They have news articles. They even have pictures of him with celebrities in the '30s and '40s. It's very thorough mm -hmm. how how often this guy showed up in the media, and how long of a public trail record there is on him. It's almost 
and it's interesting because it feels like the prototype to how much information you can look up on any given person in this day and age. So I'll talk a little bit about his potential involvement in the Zodiac crimes since we're on to the late 60s and that's when they started. So Heinz talks about how Mike Majot and Darlene Farron, the two who were shot in the lover's lane, were only the males survived. Uh, it took place after five days after the attack, Kane traded in his car, which I, I don't really buy much into that myself. Do you buy much into that? It, just the guy maybe just wanted some money. No, I don't buy into that. I mean, what are the odds? Anybody can buy or trade in a car. It just, you know, I think the only reason why that they might have honed in on him is because of his criminal history. Yeah, exactly. And there's something I want to give props to Butterfield's podcast for. When they took on the I they talked about the idea of Kane being identified as the person who was stalking Darlene Farron. So Darlene Farron had two sisters, Linda and Pam, and they both were said to have identified him as the man who was stalking her right before murder and, or bef before her murder, excuse me. And to make her situation even worse, she said that she witnessed her stalker killing somebody. So it looks like over the years, they both said the stalker was various men. Pam identified Larry Kane, Arthur Lee Allen, and William Joseph Grant as the stalker. Her identification of Kane took place in 1988 on top of that. That was a lot further down the line after the fact, and Hines even admitted he didn't use a photo lineup either. He just kind of gave her a, this isn't on your honor speech, which I, I think that goes without saying that's a really big error in judgment. Yeah. Linda respect. Yeah, it's, it, you know, with cops like that in California, it's no wonder that OJ got off. I'm sorry I had to work with an OJ joke. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm trying to be respectful. I know I was trying to be respectful of the guy, but that's a really bad mistake. I, I, I don't know if he, that's the type of cop he was in every instance, but that I, I, I just found out that's what he did. And I was like, Oof, that doesn't sound very, very practical for trying to make your case. Yeah, especially if you've got that long of a gap between somebody being able to identify somebody. Yeah, Linda, the other sister, respectively identified Richard Gajkowski, also Kane, and William Joseph Grant as her stalker. So with that being said, it doesn't look like either of the sisters have a crystal clear recollection of who Darlene was afraid of. And do we even know, on top of that, if Zodiac was the person who's stalking her in the first place? That's the other thing I want to ask. There, there's a good quote by Dr. Grande that explains statistical anomalies. And it goes something like this. Only one in three million people might win the lottery, but that still doesn't mean that it doesn't happen. Somebody still wins the lottery. Would, would you see it that way, by chance? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would. I don't know. This, this is hard to take in to be honest. I mean, just, yeah, the, it is. just the span of time that they had to identify the Zodiac killer from the first time that they made claims that uh, was Larry Kane that was stalking their sister. It's just doesn't make sense. And there's a whole, well, not just a whole world of difference. There's like 200 pounds worth of difference between how Larry Kane and Arthur Lee Allen look. Larry Kane is very, you know, very average looking guy, black hair, wears glasses on occasion, just kind of blends into a crowd. Whereas you have Arthur Lee Allen, who is by all accounts, a very, very heavy man and a giant, very tall. Yeah. So, and that's not, and I'm not making any implication that the sisters are dishonest at all. I want to make that clear. 
It's just that the human memory is so not you, good. That, that that was sounded very intelligent. No, no, and I mean, <laughs> yeah. But you got to think about it. Uh, not only for that gap to be able to identify it, you also got to think about the releases from the newspapers of the Zodiac Killer, the ciphers, and everything that would have been published that people can actually have access to that. So mm-hmm. if somebody is reading these stories and be like, oh, well, I could relate this to this person or I can kind of see where this person has these particular behaviors or something of that nature or even just in passing seeing a name, they can be like, oh, yeah, no, that is the person. Yeah, I remember. I, I, I brought that back up. So it just doesn't make sense because – and. From my understanding, in a lot of criminal cases, if there happens to be a victim or a witness to a crime, you want to get to them within the first 24 hours of it actually happening. Mm-hmm. So you can actually get um, proper information or while the memory is still fresh so that they're able to kind of piece together the entire incident and get a better understanding from different perspectives and not just wait about, what, 20 years before they say, oh, well, this is the person that stalked your sister. Right. There was, there was, that reminded me of something that happened to me once. I was parked in some drunk driver crashed into the back of my car. I didn't know he was drunk at the time. So I took down his license number on my flip phone at the time. And this was before cameras were good enough to take pictures. Pulled over to the side of the road. And then the guy drove off. And I remember talking to the police and they go, well, what color was the car? I'm like, oh, geez, I don't remember. I just remember that he hit me. I didn't remember anything about it. All I did was write down the license plate number. They eventually caught him later on because there was a domestic violence complaint against him. He drove probably like 60 miles completely drunk from where I was working at the time all the way to to where he lived. And then that since that uh, license plate was in the system that I gave them, they looked it up and they, they kind of nailed him from both fronts. So it, the, just that whole anecdote is... The reason I get into is I was hit by a huge freaking Jeep and I couldn't even remember what color it is. That's just the way the human mind works (laughs) or doesn't work. Exactly. Especially when you got adrenaline pumping through your system. It's the fight or flight reaction. Exactly. And there's another part of Heinz's investigation that I want to talk about. So Brian Hartnell, he was another Zodiac survivor. He survived the Lake Berryessa attack, where he was hogtied along with his girlfriend and stabbed by the Zodiac as he wore an executioner's outfit. And there was part of the, the report that seemed to say that Hartnell had positively identified Alan's voice. One thing I want to talk about is our last episode. Hartnell put Arthur Lee Allen's voice in kind of the ambiguous category, too. So you kind of see that issue that we had with the Farron sisters. We also have Hartnell walking it back a little bit. Later on, he's saying, I, I, I can't be that clear. That's just the general way he puts it. Or he's, he's saying, I can't be that sure that it was Kane's voice. So Hartnell seems that he puts him into a maybe, and he also put Alan into the maybe category. So I, I don't think that bodes well for Kane being the Zodiac. And another thing I'd like to talk about was some content from the WordPress site. We'll talk about the killing of Paul Stein. So it was a, and the, the information I'm talking about comes from the site at this point. So that was when he shot the cab driver and sent 
pieces of uh, bloodstained clothing to the newspapers to prove he was involved. One of the officers who they got who got a look at the person who's possibly Zodiac was Officer Donald uh, Falk, and he thought that Kane was the most plausible person out of hundreds of photos seen. Some of this information is on ZodiacCiphers.com also, if you're interested in reading about it. It's also said that Butterfield, and it's also said on Butterfield's website, uh, ZodiacKillerFacts.com, that Falk only caught a glance of who he thought to be the Zodiac for about five to 10 seconds. In an interview later on with uh, Mike Rodelli, who's another Zodiac theorist, he said that he, he tried to make it clear that he was much less certain than the Heinz report made it look. To paraphrase, it made it seem that he put Kane down as a maybe. So it's possible that Falk was misremembering his interaction with Heinz, though maybe Heinz thought he was much more convinced, or maybe he didn't remember how convinced he sold himself to Heinz. But that that doesn't really look well upon that doesn't look great if you're if you're trying to look at Heinz's investigation. It doesn't that make it look a little shaky to you? It does make it look uh, very shaky, to be honest, because you have an officer, um, Donald Falk where basically their, their entire job is to basically collect and interpret as much information as possible, especially if, within a five to ten second matter, you know. Yeah, and, and the killing was at, was at night too, so yeah, five to ten seconds at, at night with maybe some street lamps. Yeah, so you'd want to absorb as much detail as possible. So either the officer is very bad at describing details or... Hines is just kind of bullshitting his way through it. Yeah, I I think that I think that Officer Falcon, the other officer who was with him, they they tried their best to give a description of the guy, but they just weren't able to. They seemed that they were honest about it. That they said, "Hey, we we don't really have a good idea of how this guy looks." And it seems that, as far as police officers go in this interaction, it seems that they're trying to do their job with pursuing evidence maybe a little more carefully than Heinz did, wouldn't you say? Yeah, but it doesn't seem like anybody really has an idea. It's like they're chasing ghosts. Yeah. With certain people because of certain requirements or details or descriptions. I mean, how do we know that Heinz didn't actually try to lead the questions? Yeah, that's true, too. But it, it seems that that other officer, Falk, who is a completely different department, has no problem contradicting him I, I don't know if the other officer ever put him down as a maybe so I, I didn't see anything that he was interviewed so I just want to correct myself there I think they did the best they could by giving their interpretation to a sketch artist mm-hmm. but I, I think that Falk maybe as a professional in the same field may have realized this is very dangerous what he's doing this Kang guy isn't a good guy but you can't just go around accusing people of being the killer just because they're creepy yeah so, this is true this is true the the, the Heinz report also it also lets the real killer get away if you if you do something that ridiculous in my opinion and I'm sorry I hope I'm not if anybody from Heinz's family is listening to this I, I hope I'm not being disrespectful it's just my stream of conscious thoughts about how this is handled I know that they have their own podcast and website about this so another thing from Heinz's report that I point out that was interesting is that Kane lived two and a half blocks away from the site of the Stein murder. Okay, so now that starts to maybe make a little more sense that maybe he's the Zodiac. Maybe he could have made a speedy getaway. You know, he lived near the area, and he could have just run, ran home, and no one would have ever known it. But there's another thing that we talked about with coincidences coming up, and I hate to be, you know, that guy. But that's the same issue 
the same argument, excuse me, that was used for Rick Marshall being the killer as well. He lived about half a mile away. So you have two people in the area. Marshall isn't nearly as creepy with some of the anecdotes about him. And I say anecdotes because I don't really know how true they are compared to Alan and Kane. But okay, so we have two guys in the area. I've heard a joke. I think it was on Butterfield's podcast where people eventually have the MCU theory of the Zodiac Killer that it was all these guys. <laughs> they're they're, the they're Z- getting together. The Zodiac Avengers. Yeah, the 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 Zodiac. They're the Zodiac Avengers. Do or they the, like have a scene? Or you yeah. call them the Sinister Six? <laughs> the Sinister. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well. I, yeah. They're, they're, I remember. I originally wanted to say, "Oh, let's cover all the Zodiac suspects," and then I realized there's about a billion of them. And it's like it's like Mr. Rogers was the Zodiac killer, something like that. <laughs> Sorry, it's, it's some of the, some of them are a little funny. I, well, I, I never know so, because Mr. Rogers always wore a long sweater, so. And that's true. Maybe he was covering up the. He wore his red sweater that night and made a speedy getaway. So, if this was planned out ahead of time, it's possible that maybe geography helped him out. But it also could have just been as possible that the guy who was the Zodiac killer, who was a planner had a car a few blocks away from wherever he told Stein to park the car, made a speedy getaway, got in the car, and drove home. I, I think that's possible. And i just like to hear, do you, do you think you, hear your thoughts on this, do you think there's anything else to add to this that, do you think it looks a little compelling, or do you think it's a bunch of coincidences? coincidences I, I, think it's, I think it's a bunch of coincidences, in my personal opinion. I mean, what are the odds that you have one that lives over half a mile away, and the other one lives two blocks away? Yeah, exactly. Are they I mean, like going to? Is it like the Elks Club where like all the creepy serial killer suspects get together or something like that? Oh yeah, it's it's a secret organization, kind of like the Skull and Bones. They all <laughs> meet up and wear you know the the little fez hat. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping I could work that. I'm glad that you did. You worked in much better than I would. <laughs> the fez hat. <laughs> they're, they're 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 talking about how much they they want to vote for Nixon and can't stand the hippies that sort of thing. Oh yeah, so, you know they drink blood from the skull of their victims, and then they just basically draw a name out of a hat and say, "Okay, well you got this one. It's your turn." And they're like, "Oh shucks, but you know there's a there's that rerun of Leave It to Beaver. It's your turn, Arthur. Okay, I'll go to Lake Berryessa." <laughs> and this is before VCRs, so they couldn't record it. Exactly. <laughs> so, what on on that really bizarre and dark note? Um, <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll talk about Kathleen Johns a little bit. She was a potential Zodiac victim, and she ties into the Paul Stein murder. So let's refresh our audience's memory. Johns was the woman who was taken captive along with her baby by a man who threatened to kill him. The Zodiac killer would go on to take credit for the crime, albeit in very vague terms. There was a composite sketch made from Johns's recollection. Or, oh no, there was the composite sketch of the crime from the Stein killing, to be specific. And when Johns made an escape from the car with her child and she went to the police station, she pointed to that as the man who held her hostage. Uh, This is according to ZodiacCiphers.com. In 1992, she would eventually identify Kane as her captor. So that that is kind of interesting a little bit. Some of the coincidences are lining up a little bit where I'm still not persuaded myself. And the Heinz report also says that he had a sedan it was medium in size and tan. The cat, the person who took Kathleen Johnson and her child on a on a ride and threatened to kill them, 
One of his vehicles is a 1969 Ambassador that was goldish tan in color. So there's that that's interesting. And there's another podcast by Butterfield, which I can't unfortunately remember the name of. There's so many of them, I just don't have the time to listen to them, but I just want to give credit to somebody else's thoughts when I reference them. And it stands out to me and it ties into the John story. He said that the initial killings of the Zodiac were, well, he said that after the initial killings, the Zodiac started taking credit for crimes that were unsolved. So the John's, the John's case was an unsolved one. And it's a common myth. And I repeated an error in our last episode that he's taking crimes that he clearly wasn't involved in. This could have been Zodiac, or it could have been Zodiac as Kane, or it could have been Zodiac taking credit for Kane. Take your pick with a combination. That's the way I see it. And he did write a very vague letter to the press that I said, where he talked about taking a woman and her baby for a ride and setting fire to the car. But these weren't details that were unknown to the public at all. So it's not without the realm of possibility that maybe this was Larry Kane and maybe he did it. And Zodiac was an avid reader of the news. And he said, oh, this is there, there's somebody really disturbed out there. I'll take credit for that and send people on a wild goose chase. Would, would that make sense to you? Because I think that Zodiac was kind of not just a serial killer. He was the mass media troll of the 60s. What do you think? I think it sounds like there was a lot of copycats, to be honest. I mean, in my personal opinion, how I see this, because it just a lot of these stories that these potential suspects doesn't make any sense, doesn't add up, especially that they're uh, modus mm. operandi, however you want to put it. And this Heinz character that's basically writing the report, it just seems like to me, in my personal opinion, that he's just trying to drive to get some credibility you know like oh hey we got him you know like bush jr's mission accomplished kind of thing or oh geez yeah sorry <laughs> oh yeah that no i wouldn't say it wasn't in bad taste i just remembered how cringeworthy that thing is in retrospect yeah he was exactly like, he was like gi joe bush pretty much <laughs> Let's learn. Well, who would have been Cobra? Yeah, who would have been Cobra? No, no, I was going to say who would be Cobra Commander. <laughs> we'll go on a weird t- tangent. Um, so, so I think there's two ways to look at the story. Again, I'll just repeat it. Perhaps he was the person who took her and her child captive, and he looked similar to the composite spot, composite sketch, and that looped around to Zodiac getting the idea to take credit for a crime by Kane, or it was potentially just Kane's handiwork. And it got to the point if he was Zodiac. He didn't feel the need to have to prove himself with details at that point anymore that would prove he irrefutably was behind them. So uh, do you think that adds up at all? Or do you think that, no, it, it could have just been a lot of dangerous people out there and some of them were, imper- were impersonating Zodiac. Maybe some of them looked like him. Do you think that's probably more likely? It sounds like it would be more likely in my personal opinion. That's right. just how I... Th- that's just how I kind of see it because there's something that doesn't make sense that I know you're going to be talking about here pretty quickly. Yeah. So we'll, we're going to talk about Donna last next, and I want to show her case and how it leads to the introduction of Harvey Hines into the story. I'm going to be borrowing heavily from ZodiacCiphers.com at this part. They did some great research. So she was a potential Zodiac victim in Nevada. She was a nurse. She worked in the vicinity of the area of the Stein killing where Kane lived in the general vicinity again, we'll re- we'll reference that. 
She moved to Lake Tahoe in 1970, where Kane lived at the time and eventually went missing. And a quote from Heinz's report does give a very chilling account of her disappearance. Her disappearance, excuse me. There's a lot of evidence inside the Sahara Tahoe Casino that she left directly from there. She was a very personal person, and she left a lot of personal items behind. An open letter, a dirty uniform. And on her log, a pen was dragged from the last word she wrote on the page. I'll add a note of my own, too, Rev, that her car was left behind, too. And I'm going to paraphrase what happened next and borrow from the Zodiac Killer A to Z podcast. Again, that's Butterfield's podcast. There's a phone call to her employer by an, un- by an unidentified male shortly after she disappeared. He also called her landlord. He said that she left the area for a family emergency. While her family said that there was no such emergency. A lot of people think that because Kane was in the area around the time of her disappearance, he maybe developed a fixation with her years earlier when they both lived in the general area. And maybe she crossed paths with him again in Nevada and ultimately met her doom. There is a lot, there's a good explanation they give, and I'll read another passage from ZodiacCiphers.com to give a best explanation to our audience as to why it may not be credible that the Zodiac Killer was behind this killing. Maybe it was Kane, or maybe it was just a very, very awful coincidence. The Zodiac Killer mailed his little list letter on July 26, 1970, setting out for his search for society offenders. But his lengthy communication was withheld from publication in the newspaper until October 12, 1970. Despite a comprehensive article in the San Francisco Chronicle on September 26, 1970, featuring the disappearance of Donald Lass from Lake Tahoe on September 6, 1970, the Zodiac Killer never raised his victim total of 13 from July 26, 1970 to October 5th, 1970. When the 13 hole postcard arrived, he never needed any prompting to falsely inflate his victim total in previous communications. Yet a month after the abduction and likely murder of Donna Lass from the Sahara Tahoe Hotel and Casino, the Zodiac Killer kept his victim total static, suggesting that at this juncture, excuse me, at this juncture, he was not claiming the young nurse's victim 14. That is because she, he never murdered her. Besides, he would later retrospectively claim he had sought her as victim 12 in March 22nd, 19, in the March 22nd, 1971 Pines card. While she was still present in San Francisco and working at Letterman General Hospital by the Presidio. So there's that whole timetable thing really undermining the argument a lot, the way, the way I see it. Yeah. So. So this doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't. And because that, that's from 1968 to 1979, hmm. Kane was on good behavior, and he got caught for stealing telephone service. Yeah, he was. Is it really a crime if you steal from the telephone company? No, I'm, I'm sorry, well, no. I mean, crime. I personally wouldn't think so. But <laughs> I'm here Anybody I am paying for it. my internet and, and talking over an app. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, if, if you have bad cable service, you'll, you'll understand the sentiment. But yeah, it seems that this was somebody not being privy to all the facts, somebody from one police agency not being privy to all the facts and just getting the timeline wrong. So that really undermines it a lot that Donna Lass had anything to do with it. But I still like to talk about Kane because I think that he may have potentially been involved with this the car incident and potentially uh, another murder. 
So we're going to put the Heinz card up on the screen, the one that top right corner. So that's the what the white hole is where that where that uh, hole punch would be, just because it's been, as I would say in the old days, xeroxed. So people thought this was meant to be as a clue as the location of where Lass's body would be found, but there's no body that's been found to date. There were some scent dogs that went there and found that there was possibly a body in the area at one time. If you watch the History Channel's Hunting the Zodiac Killer series, as I did in preparation, I don't really trust much of what that documentary says, so I wouldn't recommend it. So this is important anyway from a timeline perspective. It piqued Heinz's interest and motivated him to do an investigation of his own. This was kind of him being his own private eye, or so to speak. He This wasn't something that he was doing with the blessing. He was trying to be a good citizen, I think, and I think he got a little biased as he went along and since maybe he didn't have as much collaboration as he did, nobody really copped him in check. And I think that's why some of the stuff that we talked about, like not using a photo lineup ended up happening. Just if people get biased towards anything and nobody else is there to disagree with them, things can sometimes go a little wrong. Uh, so, you know, it's possible that maybe last was a victim of the zodiac at some point he did like to lie to people we remember that he did lie about the 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 bus um, the 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 remember he said he was going to shoot the kids as they, as they you know came off the bus and that he had a bomb threat and then the bomb threat never materialized yeah so you, you, you there's always the thing where it's where you you don't know how reliable he's being maybe he did kill last and then maybe He's just sending out letters at random to confuse people and keep them off, keep them off his track. That would be maybe the counter argument. I, I, I'm not sure how likely that is, but th this is a guy who uses Cypher. So what better way to create confusion than write all sorts of inconsistent letters? And it could just be inconsistent letters, too. He just decided to take credit for last for, just for the heck of it. And I think it's a good way to get people off your scent when you start taking credit for other crimes. And there's another... Uh, there's another excerpt that I want to read. Uh, that, um, well, no, I don't think there's another excerpt I want to read. I do want to talk a little bit uh, more about him at this point and who he might be aside from Kane, because this all seems very. It, it almost seems that this this card was meant as a red herring to send people to Vegas. We do have larry kane out there we do have some very we do have a very weird crime we'll talk about dana lolan in a little bit i do have the thought that all of these very coincidences let's say with arthur lee allen potentially being the zodiac killer and kane potentially being the zodiac killer it just seems that all the coincidences are a little too deliberate and i've had the thought too that maybe this was a former cop who may have known of both of them through their criminal reputations in california and decided what better way to cover my tracks than by sending the police after two scumbags what do you think that sounds very plausible to be honest because somebody to be that methodic and basically i mean it's weird because if you have arthur lee allen and you have larry kane and another potential suspect with all within the same vicinity of each other. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you got to think about how big the district is, what 
what coverage did the officer have? I mean, it sounds more plausible than it would be to have just a pervert and a petty theft or thief, you know? Yeah, well, they were both perverts, and too, if you think about the Peeping Tom stuff. But obviously, Ellen, to a much larger extent. Well, yeah, but I mean, just because somebody happens to be out... If uh, Larry Kane was into larceny and he was into stealing stuff, I mean, being a Peeping Tom, he'd probably basically looking in the window to scope out the place. You know, to see yeah. if anybody was home or what kind of items that they might have had. So right. you got to kind of think about the the type of degree or look at the reports of what kind of history he had. You know, if somebody was undressing and they happen to be standing out there looking in the window, then, okay, yeah, the guy's a pervert. <laughs> but if you're a criminal that has to deal with something that's monetary value, you're going to stake out a place. So I mean, that's just my personal opinion. I mean, not that I do crime. Right, yeah, no, it's, just, it's an opinion show, and maybe people know crime better than us. Or know some of the facts of all the stuff better than us can weigh in the comments section. I honestly just like hearing what people have to say. And that's kind of what's interesting about investigations these days is that you can kind of crowdsource logic and the critical thinking and figure out what works and what doesn't work in any crime case and maybe fig find something out. So that's kind of what I hope to do here. I could be, if somebody can completely demolishes me in the comment section, says, here's what you got wrong and says, Hey, this is what actually proves Kane did. Here's the missing pieces. I'll, I'll gladly accept those conclusions. And this, so, and and that's something that actually keeps things a lot uh, interactive, especially is dissent opinions, outside sources, things that people can actually provide to make it seem like that we we might be wrong or we could be onto something. Hey, that'd be great. I noticed there was a few comments that sat there and said that you guys are full of shit. You don't know what you're talking about. But I don't think anybody does at this point. Oh, crap. They figured me out. Oh, it's time to end the podcast. No, I'm okay. just kidding. <laughs> I'm being honest. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we'll get back to Heinz again. So he found out that Kane moved to Vegas in 1971. Around the same time, the Zodiac letter stopped. Some people think that the Zodiac possibly stopped committing crimes at the time because maybe he went to jail for another kind of offense. If it was Kane... Maybe he got too busy once he moved to Vegas and his non-serial killing life just started taking up a lot more time and he just didn't have the energy for it anymore, including the letter writing campaign. And we'll jump forward in time to 1974 and talk about Dana Lowell a little bit. It is a very terrifying case in its own right. And from what I read on ZodiacKillerCiphers.com, she was kidnapped by her... She was kidnapped and her male companion, Roy Tapai survived the attack that led to her abduction. The site mentions that the attacker's vehicle was a white sports car, that it had a black top cloth, wire-spoked wheels, quote, old-looking California license plate, and a chrome, a chrome luggage rack on the top and of the truck. And it was also missing a grill. Or, and the attack itself sounds like something similar to the Lover's Lane killings that happened earlier on in the Zodiac's career. Lowell and Tapai were sitting in a Lover's Lane, a vehicle pulled up, started blasting him with blinding light, and a man emerged from the car with a gun. The critical difference here is maybe the reaction between what, how, uh, let's say, other people acted. I'm not trying to make a critical judgment on Tapai's part because none of us will ever know 
how we'll act when we have a gun pointed at us in any given situation. And he made a run for it and managed to evade the man with a gun. Lowell wasn't so fortunate and she ended up being abducted and her body was eventually found in a mine shaft in Mountain Springs Road in San Bernardino County, California. So it made a trip across state lines. There's a few interesting things that are brought by a different website, uh, Lawrence Kane Zo Zodiac WordPress. Lawrence Kane Zodiac Word Zodiac.wordpress.com. There we go. Got it. <laughs> and I'm going to paraphrase them right here. So a description of the attacker matched up to Larry Kane. Larry Kane drove a car that fit the description of the vehicle given to the police by Top High. Top High said that he went to a nightclub called the Spring Inn Nightclub and ran into Lull's abductor there. The abductor managed to make an escape before the police could show up. Kane's former employer corroborated uh, that he did frequently go to that nightclub. So I think that the same line of logic that I held up to Arthur Lee Allen has to apply here. Refresh, refresh people's memories. Allen was thought to have the same kind of bombs, or was found, excuse me, not thought, to have the same kind of bombs and guns that were associated with the Zodiac Killer's various crimes when his house was raided during an execution of a warrant. And the issue that I had with that being an argument with, with Allen being the Zodiac was how do we not know he wasn't inspired by all the stuff he read about Zodiac in the media. If Larry King was behind the car, the, the car ride or was behind Dana Lull or Donna Lass, who's to say, just like his rev said, I'm talking to the audience here, obviously, that he wasn't just imitating what he saw in the media. Would you feel more, that it might be more likely that he was picking up on some of the mannerisms if this wasn't because now it does seem a little more convincing that Hines maybe stumbled upon somebody very dangerous because of a trick the Zodiac was possibly playing. What do you think? I mean, that sounds plausible, you know. But the way that they describe some of these events to where we, we find that the same person that's investing in this, they're doing this report and everything when it comes to the details of the reports that they receive trying to positively identify Larry Kane as the suspect especially in this case the guy first thing he says is that they pulled up and the lights were blinding us how could they make out the mount, make out the make and the model of the car or describe it as it's driving away especially if it's dark out yeah, I mean, maybe he, he when he made a run for it, he saw it drive down the road. He did eventually call the police right after. So I'm not exactly sure of the sequence of events, but that is a very good way to look at it. How do we not know? How do we know if his recollection was good or not? How do we know if Hines... Well, the the, the, the car thing wasn't from Hines. Hines just found that out on his own, own by looking at records. But I... Okay. The, uh, the, yeah, you don't know. No, that's fine. I uh, You refreshed my memory. I should have brought that up. That's 100% okay. And I, I think that it's it's possible that maybe he was only responsible for Dana Lull. You did raise a really good point because he seems that he has Donald Falk arguing with him saying, hey, this isn't my recollection. And it seems that Brian Hartnell walks back whatever he said to, said to Hines. There seems to be a pattern here where the people who worked with him, his interpretation of their enthusiasm 
seems a little bit different than their level of interpretation. I'm not saying he's lying or anything like that. Maybe maybe they're misremembering or he's misremembering. But yeah. it, it seems very peculiar that his strongest pieces of evidence seem to not really be that strong. Well, and it, if you look at it too, because this this victim, right, and you go back to the previous victim. Mm-hmm. She was, what was it? In 1970, Donald yeah, Lass so, was in 1970. Yeah, 70, 71, yeah, something like that, yeah. Yeah, and then Hines said he found out Kane moved to Vegas in 1971. So he found out that he moved into Vegas in 1971? Was this like yeah. old information or was it about oh, the time? Well, no, Kane was Kane was in, in in South Lake Tahoe, which was a different part of, of Nevada. Mm-hmm. So that was that that was that was in the that was around Donnellis. He just moved to a different part of, of, oh, okay. of Nevada okay. at, that, at that point. Yeah. Okay. So gotcha. Yeah, yeah. But the thing is, you 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 have to wonder how much stuff he even if he you have to wonder if it doesn't seem that there was the best level of care taken in a lot of other things that he did. That the point I think that you raise is very good is. Even if Kane was, he he was trying to make the case that Kane by himself was very dangerous. It does seem very tainted by a very clumsy investigative process, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I mean, to me, it just sounds like just trying to um, go with confirmation bias. Yeah, and that's the thing is, I think he, I don't think he was doing it on purpose. By all accounts, he seems like he was a good guy from what I read about him, but this just seems like it was. It just wasn't very well done, and there's a let, let's let either way. I'll keep talking a little bit more about it. Mm-hmm. I, I, if I remember correctly, the other thing too is that it seemed that it was very common for people to have that look too that you saw in the zodiac picture—the horn glasses, the black hair. Yeah, even if it yeah. wasn't Kane, he, he looks like um, looks like Kevin Spacey from uh, Seven. Yeah, I mean. It, I, I think there's a good case to be made, a good argument to be made that Kane was dangerous and he was running around California and Los Angeles doing these really bizarre crimes and eventually a couple of murders. So I, I could buy that. I just can't really buy that he's the Zodiac based on how everything just keeps falling apart under scrutiny or people are pulling back what they said to Hines or they seem to be contradicting Hines like in Donald Falk's case. So it seems that, to, to, to clarify my thoughts, it looks like Hartnell maybe pulled back what he said to Hines, and then Falk was like, no, I wasn't as confident as he made me seem. And even the handwriting analysis part of his report is says, oh, it looks good. Well, we can't exclude him. That doesn't really exude confidence to me. No. And yeah, that I, I, I know that Hines gave this to a lot of larger police departments in, to, to see what they made of it and i saw a news report where he said oh well they don't want a small town cop you know that they, they don't take me seriously and the way i see it is from having looked at what he did and thought about it i i'm not obviously i'm not even a cop i don't even take it seriously i i hate to say it i'm not trying to be mean i just it doesn't seem like it's the art a very compelling argument that he made and just all there is is there's a lot of coincidences adding one up after another but we again we saw that with arthur lee allen and there was a lack of physical evidence the handwriting 
it, it, I, who knows if he was cherry picking who knows if other handwriting experts told him he he was way off and ignored it and i hope that's not defamatory but the thought just crossed my mind why not say it in the spirit of inquiry well and, and another thing is that i'm kind of thinking about too is that what happened to a profiler i mean did they have a profile on any of this I know that there was a, a news report, and I think you can find it on Tom Voigt's channel, where he says, oh, well, Larry Kane fits the profile. But as I said earlier, I, I'm, I'm hesitant to say Rick Marshall was a, a pervert. But that, that is for another episode. You, maybe you could say he's a pervert. He, I'll say what he did is he, he had a bunch of people over, and unexpectedly to everybody, he put on an X-rated movie or something like that and grossed all everybody out in his friends group. Mm. So that that's... The, that you know that's gross in its own right but that doesn't rise to the level of arthur lee allen or i don't i don't you know, think you should use yeah. the word rise right after oh, your last Jesus. statement so, <laughs> i'm sorry that's gonna be a fun episode that we're gonna do next so i i do apologize i had to put in a uh, penis joke anyway all right i'm turning the computer off <laughs> <laughs> oh okay Geez, I lost my train of thought because you're a total degenerate. So um, maybe you're the Zodiac. Maybe I am. Maybe I am. You never know. <laughs> Anybody that's okay. listening, don't turn me in. Oh, geez. Okay, so there, there's just a lack of evidence. It just seems like a lot of very weird coincidences. And we see that a lot with people. I think it's possible that maybe if he had a partner, there was the con artist angle where he got somebody to write the letters put handprints all over it maybe they weren't somebody in the registry but there's nothing that even remotely adds up at all and the one thing that i have have thought is more credible we talked about it in detail outside of the show and i'll talk about it now is the common thread that i know that you're maybe not convinced who's a peeping tom i am is that they were both sexual predators and i do think that if they were known by law enforcement somebody who was a cop would think they're both really great red herrings and and again it would be great to send people on a wild goose chase i actually talked to a friend of mine and and i want to give her credit for her contribution to this episode she has a very interesting uh former career she used to treat sex offenders as part of an internship she had her master's degree in counseling one of her three bachelor's degrees was in psychology and she had a minor in forensic psychology i bounced the idea off her that the zodiac killer or the writer of the letters if he had an accomplice uh deliberately left all the clues to be Eleanor Kane. And I wanted to share some of her thoughts about this. She said that he, she would think he was a cop and she thought that if he was a cop, it could have been a very, very sick game to aim law enforcement at people who were horrible, such as Eleanor Kane. And here, I'll say how she, how, I'll, I'll say how she, what she said. She said he did the killings as part of a larger calculus Someone who is a dirty cop who frames people for crimes might see it as part of a greater good to commit crimes than write letters and point people towards sex offenders. In their mind, it might be worth it to kill people and to take that kind of monster off the street. It's also possible that he wasn't a cop, but maybe he was somebody who was kicked off the force or maybe a wannabe cop. And with that being said, with, with getting her observations out there, just in the spirit of inquiry, I think that she has an education where she can contribute something very helpful to the conversation. It would be really interesting to look for transfers, disability or sickness related retirements and deaths of officers in the Bay Area. 
between 1969 and 1974, 1974 being when the last widely considered uh, legitimate Zodiac letter, the exorcist letter was sent out. But I think that maybe that's how we have to go back to formulas. We have to start looking at the human resources records of the police department, if they still exist at the time, or the public records in City Hall. And with that being said, I, I do want to talk a little bit about the ciphers. I know that you've been really excited to talk about the ciphers. So we're going to get into the part of the Heinz report uh, and some other arguments that Kane was potentially the uh, writer of the letter. So you're ready to get into that? I am. I am. Okay. This one is going to be a mind bender. I apologize if uh, you're listening to us on the podcast. Take, Google the Z13 and Z20, Z32 ciphers, everybody, if you are listening. That way you can get an idea of what we're talking about. So we'll talk about how a French engineer proposed a solution to the Z13 cipher and the Z32 cipher. And we'll talk about Harvey Heinz's solution specifically to the Z13. So we have the Z13 up on the screen right now, and I'll read it. It says, this is the Zodiac speaking. By the way, have you cracked that last cipher I sent you? My name is blank. And then there's a cipher at the bottom. So there's a French engineer who had the idea that he would apply the Z340 cipher to the letter and decrypt the letter. And the solution ended up coming out to say K-A-Y-R. And K-K-A-Y or was one of his various last names or it was a sounding out of the last name so he thought that was proof that larry kane was was the author uh we'll talk about the detective hines version of it right now too he noticed that there were three eights in this cipher that were circled and those three eights added up to 24 and larry kane was born in 1924. he also had the idea if you read it from right to left as one would with hebrew you could see name kane in my estimation, this involves leaving out some of the cipher and trying to find something in the code that one might be looking for in the first place. Well, not necessarily write his conclusion. I don't know if Heinz did this with the most unbiased lens. So I'll clarify how his methodology works. There would be a chunk on the far right that read NAM, and that would be for name. Then you would read uh, read leftward and you would see Kane in chunks and if, you, if you're looking at the picture you can see how you have K then you have NEA and I guess if you jumble them around it becomes Kane and Larry Kane actually became Larry Kane with a C later on in his life too so it, it seems like it's it, it's almost like a you're jumbling around or something like that or and hoping it it, it, it turns into this thing and he also says that there's the sign of the Taurus in the cryptogram, and that was a clue to the killer's identity. And for reference, we'll have a sign of the Taurus up on the screen. Google the sign of the Taurus if you want to. That does not look like anything that's in the cryptogram at all. It doesn't even look like the eight in a circle. And if somebody thinks I'm wrong on this, tell me. I did look to see if there were any eights in a circle that were the sign of the Taurus. And no. I, I just can't. Exactly. I, I'm not seeing it. And I. I think that Heinz maybe not so convinced that maybe he was seeing things that weren't there. I, you know, people sometimes have that happen with that. Alan, and I think I had it when I used to think Alan was the killer, where you would start to treat it like a magician doing a magic trick. You would, you wouldn't say, "Well, where does the evidence take me?" You'd be like, "How did he do that in light of all the evidence?" I think that might have been what was happening with Heinz. The only, um, the, I'm sorry, 
Yeah. Go ahead. The only yeah. thing that I see that could be the potential tor- sign of Taurus is the um, cryptogram or whatever right next to the word N. That's turned upside down. That's pretty much all I could see. But the other ones, the eights that you see in there, they look like breaks to me. Yeah, and I, yeah, I, I think that I, I can't even see it yet. See, see, you know, I, I, I can't even really see it in there. It's maybe too, uh, it may be too, uh, how do you call it, degraded of an image. I'll, I'll try to zoom in on it a little bit. So yeah, the letter M, I mean, that looks like it might even just be some sort of postmarking there. I, I, I don't even, yeah, I mean, the letter M maybe looks like the sign of the Taurus, but you see that, that's things, you have to be doing the thing that. Those could, also be, doing those could also be letters from the Greek alphabet. I mean, who knows? To be honest. Exactly. Yeah, and it's, it looks like he if you're looking for something you can find it in there it's like trying to play a song backwards or or it's like looking at a crossword puzzle if you look for something long enough you might find it that's what i think exactly he ended up he ended up doing and the one with the engineer i think it seems more credible at least so as i said he used the z340 cipher and CypherMysteries.com said that the Z340 uh, was deciphered using what was called a known plain text script. For those in the IT world who know of such a similar terminology, it means that you might know part of a repeated piece of information in a data transmission, and that data is always encrypted the same way. And from there, you can figure out how the rest of the message is encrypted. And Butterfield gave a good analysis of this on his podcast of the Deconstructing Solutions one I talked about earlier. You just don't know if this was the right key to use to decrypt it. And the way I'll explain it is, pretend I wrote a Zodiac letter and use one Zodiac decryption algorithm. Maybe it'll say, my name is Tom, but then use a different one and it'll say, my name is Rob. I I don't think that adds up. And no, not at all. It's counting on too many things to go right. And it... And the other thing I'd like to talk about, too, is I remember the first time the Zodiac wrote a letter. He said the, the, the first one that went went to the news, he said, my name is in this cipher. And then they decrypted it. And he said it was just like insane ranting. Where he said, oh, I'm going to kill a bunch of people. I enjoy killing people because it's more fun than getting your rocks off with a girl. And it was just a lunatic rant. So it, why, why are people suddenly expecting this guy is going to tell his name? He didn't want to from the get go. He never really wanted people to know who he is. He just enjoyed messing with people. There was one time where he wrote a letter where he was telling people that he just wanted them to wear buttons with the Zodiac symbol on it, kind of like you had the buttons of the peace thing. It would cheer him up. So, and maybe he would stop killing people. He just enjoyed messing with people. So why are you going to suddenly, I know it's, I know you're laughing at that is a little funny. If you think about it in a very dark way, mm-hmm. it, it does feel like something that like Jack Nicholson is the Joker in Batman. Well, yeah, or something. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to do trolling before trolling. Or before yeah. you even call it trolling. Yeah, I mean, I felt, oh, I'm glad, I, in a way, I feel relieved that you laughed because I remember when I was read that letter years ago, I was laughing at it. I said, oh, I hope I'm not the only person in the world that laughs at this. I'm pretty twisted. So at least there's two of us. Oh, so, I, I, there's, uh, there's plenty of dark people out there. I happen to be one of them. Yeah, well, I think we have about 115 subscribers now. So <laughs> we have a well, lot of people. Well, probably after this one, we're going to lose some more. So. Oh, oh, thanks. I'm kidding. i don't know if i can finish the episode now oh no it'll be if we lose anybody it's my doing 
Okay. Uh, well, I'm, you see, that's why you won't run the show. You're, you go down with a ship like the captain. Pretty much. So, yeah. <laughs> so we'll put we'll put the Z32 on the screen. So I'll read this one. The map coupled with this code will tell you where the bomb is set. You have until next fall to dig it up. And uh, Burfield's podcast also gets into this, and it provided coordinates in South Lake Tahoe. Or as you remember, there was the entire tragedy of Donna Lass. So the one thing I'll emphasize now is that there's a plot twist. Remember that hole punch card that sent Hines uh, to, to, to Nevada? Yeah. Well, whoever sent that letter used a cut and paste method to put the words on the front of it. And there's a note written on the back. And handwriting experts said it was really difficult to do a handwriting analysis to match it up to Zodiac definitively. So that seems like a little bit of a game changer if it wasn't really him. And Zodiac maybe wasn't the person who sent Heinz all the way to Nevada. And it could have just been a crank letter. And maybe he stumbled upon Kane or a bunch of scary crimes by accident. That sounds plausible. <laughs> I mean, it sounds uh, really plausible. I know it's one of those things where we've always said our whole life, oh, this will never happen. And if we've learned anything from the 2020s, the world is a very screwed up place. We only just really started realizing that. Oh, yeah. So, oh, yeah. I mean, the way that this investigation going, and I'm going to be a little bit blunt, it, it sounds like it was done by freaking Barney Five. I know. Like, I, <laughs> I, 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 it seems that, uh, you know, Leslie Nielsen's character does better police work in the Naked Gun movies. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's trying to tie in too much. Yeah, this feels like it's an InfoWars investigation as I go through it. Well, let's, and, let's hope it's not Alex Jones. Oh, no, it's probably Ted Cruz. Oh, jeez. Cancun Cruz? <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that, that's, that's another joke for maybe another live cast, talking yeah. about how that Ted Cruz is the Zodiac killer thing got started. Oh, yeah, yeah, fire. yeah. Let's blame Ted Cruz. He's got that, he, I don't know, he's got that look about him. Well, I'll say what it is really quickly. There's a, somebody watched a speech of his, and it was just a very bizarre speech, and they jokingly said it started out with, this is the Zodiac speaking or something like that. So then people started doing uh, unethical search engine optimization. I think it still holds this day. So if you search Zodiac Killer, Ted Cruz's picture will show up in the results. Sweet. So I encourage all of my listeners to go ahead and look up Ted Cruz Zodiac Killer. We can just blame it oh, on him. Exactly. So if we're going to talk about this solution to, we, it's the same rule applies. We just don't know if Z340 was the appropriate key to send them to Tahoe. It, it doesn't seem that the Zodiac ever wanted people to know who he was. So why would he start giving them clues? I, I, I don't think this was a guy who wanted to risk getting caught. At the same if he time, wanted to risk getting caught, he'd make it easier. Yeah, not necessarily. I mean, at the same time, there's a lot of uh, serial killers, high-profile ones, that eventually they get bored of killing. So then they start making it, they get sloppy to where they eventually do get caught. So, I mean, but you're talking about a time period within, what, a span of almost 20 years of this going on? Oh, about 10, yeah, 10, 15 years, I think. 10, 15 yeah. years, yeah. Yeah. 
Maybe or maybe actually even less. Maybe like maybe less than ten. Actually, yeah, less than ten. Yeah, maybe he got bored. Like I said, maybe he was somebody who got injured if he was a police officer or got transferred out of the area, and it just wasn't as advantageous for him being in a new town or new city to keep doing that. So there's a lot of different ways that one could think about it. That so, seems to make more sense. Yeah, and the other thing to point out with this bomb letter is there was no bomb that ever went off. And I pointed out about the school bus shooting thing is he never did that either. He just liked creating panics. So the idea that we can trust him to be the deliverer of truth just seems a little weird to me. I don't really think that he would just go and do that. It just doesn't seem like it's in the character of the letters. The only thing that's consistent is all the lies. So obviously that's a lot to take in. It seems that this entire thing just might have been the result. Yeah. Oh, what may or may not have been a Zodiac letter. If it wasn't the Zodiac, it was some crank, crank. It was maybe some crank who just sent the sent, sent a California police officer on a merry ride, to borrow a phrase from uh, Michael Caine in a Batman movie. Or if it was Zodiac, maybe he knew that all this stuff was going on because he read the newspaper and Caine was out there doing all that stuff. I think that maybe somebody could do a better job of convincing me that it was Kane than Arthur Lee Allen. I just between all the different clues and coincidences and stuff like that, and that not really being a good way to prove who did it, as we learned from Arthur Lee Allen, I, I don't really think it's him at all. I think that he was maybe doing crimes of his own, but I, I don't see much else there. What do you think? I I will have to agree with that, to be honest. I mean, there's too many coincidences, and the person that's investigating in this whole thing. I mean, I would, I would personally go more for uh, either copycat or the fact that it wasn't actually, or it was actually a police officer. I mean, that seems to be more of a plausible idea. Yeah, I, I think so too. Is I think it could have been a cop who was very plugged in, who started sending people uh, on the trail of other known criminals, and he knew that people would get fixated on them, and it just worked out to his advantage that they maybe played along maybe inadvertently in Kane's play Kane's uh what do you call it? Kane's case inadvertently in Alan's case because we talked about how Alan almost seemed like he's trying to make it seem that he was the Zodiac and then mm -hmm. just nothing added up including the DNA fingerprints handwriting analysis so I, I think I'd like to close the book on Kane I wouldn't be surprised if someone made a very strong case that he was the killer I just don't think that the methodology that we saw from Heinz and maybe a couple of others really left me feeling satisfied that he was Zodiac. I, I think we're both on the same page about that. Yeah, I would. I mean, the same thing with Alan, same thing with Kane. I mean, unless it was proved definitive, definitively that it actually was any of these two, then I, I'm going to remain skeptical on the whole thing. Right. So I'd like to talk to the audience for a moment. Have you guys ever thought of getting a reverse mortgage? No, I'm just kidding. So, okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, so uh, hey, it's better than Bitcoin or the Revcoin. I, I varied off the scam. Uh, we're we're going to come up with the Revcast version of my pillow. We decided we're going to get into the pillow game. That's true. That's true. And, and on a serious note, and you won't need Jesus uh, either. Orcon Industries will probably find out a they'll, they'll find out a, a good product to compete with the MyPillow guy. I feel like you know Vorcon doesn't sell much good stuff, but they could go toe to toe with the MyPillow guy, don't you think? I agree. 
I agree. We need to get some uh, merch out there. Have people sleep good at night. Especially exactly. after listening to our stuff. So. <laughs> so, what I'd like to ask the audience is, do you have any other suspects you'd like us to cover? Do you find anybody very compelling? If so, leave a comment in the comment section. Or maybe tweet us at us on Twitter. Um, and it's so, since it's your show, Rev, I'll hand it back off to you if you have anything you want to say to the audience and parting. I would like to say that if you are currently listening to this on YouTube, then go ahead, like, share, comment, subscribe. Uh, again, my information um, as far as my Twitter account, my Anchor account is all available on my About section of the page. It's also in the banner. If you happen to be on the Anchor page, you can also find my Twitter information. And you can also leave an email that I provided at the beginning of the show. So again, we want to do some listener content, uh, basically to add more variety to our program. So if you want to send me an email, it's podcastrev1 at gmail.com. And pretty much, I think we're just going to go ahead and end this episode and wait for the next Zodiac. I'll get it done in as quickly of a period of time as I got this one done. We don't want to flop like the Duke Nukem. <laughs> oh, God, this is not. I know this is going to be the episode that kills the channel. Thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I just want to say thank you again, Max, for actually being on. And thank you for everybody that's listening to this content. Uh, we're definitely looking to expand a bunch more material. And I do have an announcement to make that Max is now currently co-owner of this channel. So basically be on the lookout for more content that he's able to provide when I'm not able to get on and keep everybody happy. So. I'm going to be making videos about Onision next. No one else has done that. Okay, then we'll go ahead and branch off. Branch operations. Yeah, but I'm going to do a very interesting story about how he teamed up with creep show art to kill without a crystal ball that'll All be right. my next my anyway <laughs> <laughs> thanks no, again everybody for listening that. thank you again max for being on and uh everybody have a good week